The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 238 of the Natural Hat Trick podcast alongside Jamie Eisner, the Natty Hattie, and Craig Morgan. It's cold in Ottawa. Um, to be clear, you're not on a bus from Montreal to Ottawa this year, are you? No, I am not. I am safely in a hotel. Just, I mean, you're on vacation in Ottawa again, like you seem to do yeah, every year? You know, it's a good spot. It's, it's an odd choice. Craig, how's it going out there? Well, um, I think the Coyotes have played really well the last two nights, actually. Uh, I know they had a chance to win that one in Toronto, and that was a tough call. I think, ultimately, it was probably the right call as I started looking at it. But they played well enough to win that game. They obviously came back out from a, a very early 2-0 deficit in Montreal to win that game. So they're alive. They're alive in this playoff race. They've, they've obviously got to start winning some games, and they've got a really tough five-game run coming up after this last game of the trip in Ottawa. But they seem to have recovered some of their mojo, and that's a good sign. Now, if only they could keep their goalies healthy. I still haven't introduced myself. I'm Luke Lipinski. That was, uh, that was they know. a long way of, of saying they know. it. Uh, okay, let's start with the goaltending. And, and for the record, Craig, I agree with you that the fact that they came out of that stretch of Montreal and Toronto with three out of four points, well, it, that's a win because as of, what, Monday afternoon, all of a sudden we didn't know what the deal was with Darcy Kemper again. You still didn't know what the deal was with Antiranta at that point. You're playing a Montreal team that was playing good hockey, and on the second half of the back-to-back, you're going into Toronto with presumably Aiden Hill. They could have easily come out of that with zero points. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned with the goalies, I mean, Antiranta left, if everyone remembers, Antiranta left the Boston game in warm-ups, so to have him back was was huge and somewhat miraculous <laughs> that he was able to play two days later. He's healed. Boy, did they need him, and, and boy, did he play well after you know that that crazy start. He he played well. He battled back, and, and they got that game. So that was a huge two points. But I thought Aiden Hill played well last night in Toronto too. It, it was a tough break. You never know what's going to happen in an overtime. They they obviously thought they had the game winner from Jacob Chikrin, but that gets called back. But overall, with with their effort these two days and the goaltending they got. They have to feel pretty good going into this last game in Ottawa. You get this game. You win this game against a lesser team. You get five points on this four-game trip, and that's good. I would say one of the guys, too, that has really stepped up, who sort of trailed off there for a couple weeks, was Jacob Chicker. Now, five-game point streak. He's the guy who would have had the game winner last night, but he's just he's been playing considerably better, not just on the offensive side of, of the ice, but uh, defensively here coming out of the break as well. And, and you can see the difference it makes when he's playing like this. Yeah, and they need it. Uh, Jason Demers is still out of the lineup. Oliver ekman Larson just came back. So he and Alex Goligoski had really been playing a lot of minutes uh, and had maybe fallen off a little bit, but they, they need that pair in particular to be playing at a high level. I think Alex played well the last couple nights too. So that's a good sign for them as they uh, go down the stretch here. Um, going forward now, <laughs> how comfortable should Coyotes fans feel about who's going to be in net beyond like Thursday? Uh, what, what's the scale? Um, let's see. It should be one to uh, to Alex Ald. I don't know. I don't know what Alex Ald is. <laughs> I, I I just don't know what's going to happen with this goaltending on a, a nightly basis, Luke. I I can tell you that Aiden Hill will probably be available. <laughs> okay. Beyond that, who knows? Hill has it's, not with, been bad. Go ahead. Well, that, that was it. I mean, Hill, just like you said, Hill ha- really hasn't been bad. It's just it's tough to expect him to come in and steal you games, especially in Toronto. 
that's exactly it. That's, and you've seen when they were in Boston, Tuukka stole that game. I mean, how many grade A saves did he make in, in that one? He had some terrific saves, and you see the difference that elite goaltending can make in these really tight games. They, they've, they've gotten fine goaltending most nights, but when you can get an effort like that, like Darcy Kemper was giving them earlier in the season, you might get a few more points out of it. Um, I don't think Jamie wants to talk about the Coyotes. I think Jamie wants to. Jamie is here, by the way. Jamie wants to talk about the Edmonton Oilers, who are now minus Connor McDavid for the next two to three weeks. Considering how bunched up that Pacific Division race is, Jamie, could this be the end of the Oilers? Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the end of the Oilers, but it's going to hurt them just considerably. It's just they're all in this this super glob that we've been talking about for pre-All-Star break. Super glob. Super glob. We We need a drop for super glob. Okay, yeah, like, one of you say super glob. I have a, a folder of drops you guys don't know about that's been building. But it's just so with a crazy used? voice, right? What's the voice, Jamie? Oh, I don't know. What would it be? I don't know. Super glob. Nah, that's boring. <laughs> it's not boring. It just raises a lot of questions. Super, super, super glob. Yeah, uh, Luke has pulled out a duck. Yeah, I do. I have a duck with me, Craig. I have the biggest okay. of the ducks. Okay. Do you have a cowbell nearby too? Foreshadowing. Because I was I was going to say that while it probably will hurt Edmonton in the long run here over the next three weeks, it did not hurt them against the Blackhawks. No. I, I just look both of these Alberta teams don't inspire any confidence right now. Like just just none. I know Calgary's turned it around a little bit. They've won a couple in a row here. But that's all Ed- it takes. Edmonton without McDavid, that's half their team. So that's probably like sixty percent. Like Drysaddle still gets to play. Uh, NHL leading point scorer Leon Drysaddle still gets to play, but. I just I don't love either of these teams, but I have you watched Vegas play recently? Right, that's what I was going to say. Follow up question: Which team in the Pacific inspires confidence right now? None of the above. Yeah, if the Coyotes had their goalies, this would be this is theirs for the taking. It, it, it would be, but how the Coyotes haven't exactly played great over the last month and a half either. No, so goaltending or non goaltending, they haven't played great. So I, I don't know. Like it's. You look at it from like Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas, Arizona, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Nashville, Chicago. Like five of those teams are going to make it, and there aren't five playoff teams in that bunch. Watching Chicago, I, I watched the uh, the highlights of of Edmonton, Chicago last night, and then I realized I wasn't watching the highlights. I was just watching Chicago's defense. Edmonton was able to just walk right through the center of the ice. Kyler Yamamoto, point per game player, but uh, especially effective against the Blackhawks. Someone needs to ring the bell because I can't. Jamie has the bell. Okay. You should really take the bell on road trips. But then yes. people would think you're like asking for money around Christmas out in front of the uh, department stores. <laughs> when really you're just <laughs> pining about Brent Seabrook. Um, yeah, in the Pacific Division, I really, it, I, I still think I would take Vegas, but they don't seem to have any sense of urgency right now, do they? No, I don't feel like anyone is showing urgency in this division. It's amazing. That's it, and that's part of the reason that you know the Kites can go on this this sort of swoon and still be in it. Nobody is pulled away in this division. It looked for a little while like Vancouver might be doing it, and then they just decided to get blown out in four straight games. Um, speaking of Vancouver, Quinn Hughes going to win the Calder? I sort of feel like he is now. Over Kale McCarr. Yeah, I, it's not a knock on Makar, but again, Quinn Hughes plays for a Canadian team, and oh boy. he does have more points than Makar. He's been better. I don't want to say better. I mean, they've been pretty even, but 
he's turned it on in the second half of the season, which tends to help uh, voters if it ever comes down to a tiebreaker. I mean, it's definitely one of those two guys. But if it's close at the end of the year, I think they're going to lean Hughes. Yeah, that may be the case. I mean, I wouldn't have a major problem with it. I, I haven't, I haven't decided to dive into those stats yet. I, I know his use, usage is really helping him. Yeah, in in putting up those points and 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 not having to face some of the defensive situations that you might have to face normally as an NHL defenseman. But we'll get into that. I, I he's definitely in the running. He's definitely one of those top two guys. I just I don't know how many people that vote really dive into the the usage stats do they i mean they should especially with defense yes, they should but yeah. it has I, i'm just going based on the factor of that may not get worked into the equation he's been he's turned it on in the second half of the season he plays for a canadian team and there's also that thought of like it was kale mccarr's to lose all seasons so and now it's going to be trendy to pick quinn hughes at the end of the year yeah and there seems to be this this groundswell but and again it's not like quinn hughes hasn't played well but there seems to be this groundswell he got into the all-star game all this other stuff that that goes along with it but i mean i mean we'll see there's still plenty of season to play out i have no idea who the number three player that's going to be <laughs> invited luck. to vegas that's... is going to be at this point especially with john marino hurt for an undisclosed amount of time where's your duck uh, hold on, I'm reaching for the duck. I would guess it might be Victor Olafson, but that would require inviting a saber to the awards. Around there. Yeah. By the way, this is uh, this is Jimmy. I mean, he has. Seven- we seem to talk about penguins injuries a lot on this show. Um, does it feel, first of all, to you look like the penguins suffer an inordinate amount of injuries? And secondly, did you expect it to be a cheek injury that sidelined John Marino? Uh, I did not, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say necessarily this year specifically, but over the last, what, six, seven, eight years, ever since Crosby got hurt in the uh, the Winter Classic game, they seem to suffer a lot of injuries to their most important four or five players because Malkin's had injury issues, Crosby obviously has, Latang certainly has. It's basically once you get good in Pittsburgh, you're, you're subject to injury. Right, Jake Ensel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got to say, if they had Jake Gensel, they would be a... I don't know that they could win the Cup, again, because they're coming out of the East, but if Pittsburgh was in the West and had Jake Gensel, they would be a lock to go to the Stanley Cup. It'd be really weird to have Pittsburgh in the West. But stranger things have happened. I was just hoping... <laughs> I wanted this awkward silence to linger. So did I. I, didn't I, I just have no idea. What, are you afraid to follow up on that? Uh, to completely change gears, because, you know, who cares about the Penguins? Um, I had a great segue to the trade, but nobody No, not, not, not to that yet. Okay. Uh, would you believe me if I told you at the beginning of the season that both... Probably not. That both Jack Hughes and Capocacco would not be among the top 10 rookie scorers in the league this year? No, I... Capocacco has been a huge disappointment. Much to Larry David's chagrin. <laughs> Is, is Capocacco still pinned at the top of your uh, timeline, by the way, Luke? Um, he might be. He might be, yeah. yeah. That's about the only I, the only time anybody's mentioned his name in the last three months is if they happen to randomly see that. I don't. What happened to him? I mean, I understand he's, he's playing on the fourth line right now, but... The Rangers are the team to watch here in the next week and a half in terms of the trade deadline, right? Because they have already done a, a decent job of sort of rebuilding quickly, and they have all the they have Georgiev, they have Chris Kreider, they have all these pieces they could trade off and get more assets quickly if they handle the next ten days right. Jamie, New yes. York, go. <laughs> yes, they do, and I imagine those guys are going to definitely be on the move. Although I, I didn't, uh, Samso, uh, not uh, 
the the rookie. I'm blanking on his name right now. Jack Hughes. No, the Rangers goalie. I just, I'm completely drew a blank. <laughs> oh, there, but didn't he get hurt? Did he get hurt last night? Because um, I think he did. And yeah. That might that might affect whether or not they trade Georgiev or not. But they have to trade Kreider. Like you just. That, I think that situation is now untenable. Everybody's been waiting yeah. for it to happen. And, and if Taylor Hall's not on the market, then Chris Kreider becomes the top target, doesn't he? At least at the forward position. Well, he becomes the, the number one guy available, doesn't he? Well, that's not what I'm hearing out of Toronto, Craig. <laughs> well, I hope you read my story as well. But you probably don't read my stories. Jamie does not. No. I actually have read uh, your last three stories, I oh, think. it's like a new record for you. Yeah, it, it, not just a new record. It's the only three stories I've ever read by Craig. <laughs> it's just like a new era. Um, can we wow. get to the trade now? Sure. Let's uh, let's start with the Minnesota angle on this, because Minnesota then, after trading J- Jason Zucker to Pittsburgh, went out and hammered Vegas. And I know that nobody wants to hear this. Yeah, that they're 7-3 and three in the last 10. Well, yeah. they're not. I mean, they're right there in the playoff race. Because everybody nobody sucks. Else, well, but either way, if that's how Minnesota gets in, we're going to be subject to Minnesota in the playoffs again. Why did the, why, <laughs> why, why did they hate Zucker? Um, did they hate Zucker, or did they just know Pittsburgh Or did they already basically trade him to Pittsburgh in the preseason and then went, oh, no. Yeah. Somebody, it was a random person, but somebody tweeted out, season three of you is just Jim Rutherford following Jason Zucker around with the camera for the last two two years. Because <laughs> it felt like he was on, I mean, that's who they tried to trade Phil Kessel for originally. It was a weird night. What was that Monday night? Because you had Galchenyuk, who the Penguins traded Kessel for, then they trade him for Zucker, while Kessel and Domi are going against each other for Galchenyuk's former teams meet, meeting up. It was just a strange night. I think we saw the nexus of the universe on Monday night. But I don't know that Minnesota necessarily hated Zucker, and I guess that's sort of where I'm going with this. Are they slipping into rebuild mode now, even though they may back into the playoffs? Well, it sure feels that way. I just they've been looking to move him for a while. Obviously, I think even before the, the all the Kessel stuff. I just he's he's an incredible community guy by all accounts. Just a fantastic teammate. He's been a pretty good player. I just I didn't understand why they were so determined to move him out of there. They got uh, what well, they got Pittsburgh's top prospect and a first round pick and Galchenyuk. Yeah. I mean, Gal- Galchenyuk has mm-hmm. become such a weird case because as much as when he got traded away from here, it was kind of like, oh yeah, he was, he was a bust, and I can't believe we got Phil Kessel for him. Galchenyuk did lead the Coyotes in goals last year. I mean, he was tied with Brad Richardson, but he, he had 19 goals, did not play 82 games in Pittsburgh. He was barely on the team. Yeah, he never fit. And I don't, yeah. I don't. I mean, there were some injuries involved there. He was hurt coming into the year, but. Yeah. He was he was bad. There's no way to justify his play. It's a similar system, obviously, with with Mike Sullivan and Rick Tockett having coached together yes, for a is. while. I just uh, I think I think confidence was a big thing with him, but the, yeah, you can look at some of the, the the problems with his game too. He doesn't skate very well, first of all, um, and then with with the injuries and a lack of confidence, he's just sort of taking a beating. I, I wonder where he is mentally right now. I, he feels just like a placeholder for me in Minnesota. I doubt he's going to be there. Longer yeah. than this, yeah, he wasn't. He clearly wasn't a piece that that you know made them make the trade. That was the it was the pick and the and the prospect. But I don't know. I I sort of there's they're different players, so I don't want to I don't want to make too much of a comparison here. But Anthony Duclair had to find the right team to land on, and now all of a sudden he can't stop scoring. I, I always thought Duclair was a better player than Galchenyuk, but I also thought Galchenyuk had 25, 30 goal potential. He has a thirty goal season on his resume already. Know, it feels it? like forever ago, though, doesn't it? It really does. 20, the twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen seeds. At, at this point, you have to imagine twenty and 
20 goals and 50 points is what his ceiling at this point. He needs right? to end up on Ottawa. Basically. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but... <laughs> but He's could... a guy that like, doesn't, he doesn't seem to quite fit at either forward position, too, when you watch him. I don't, I don't think he, he's quite as effective at wing. He, 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 he tends to drift toward the middle of the ice anyway. He doesn't seem to understand the full concept of playing wing. Um, you know, and he, he had his most success in Montreal as a center, but he had issues that, that made them move him off there and obviously led the, the Coyotes to take him out of that position, too, and other teams. So I, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's got to figure some things out. But, yeah, his star has fallen big time. He's like one of those really, really old electric football games where you set the player to go in a certain direction, the board just vibrates them, and they go wherever they want. No, he's, he's like one of those people you play in on drop-in on EASHL that just pick a position and never actually want to play that position. <laughs> I know Craig can relate, right? Oh, yeah. You stole Craig's analogy. <laughs> um, from the Penguins' side of this, I mean, they, they get rid of a player that wasn't helping them at all. They are clearly in win-now mode. They have been since Jim Rutherford got there. In a way, I will say this, Jim Rutherford is probably, he's been in the right situation because he doesn't like to think about the future anyway. And with Pittsburgh, that's not necessarily the wrong mentality because when you have Crosby and you have Malkin, you have to try and win uh, as much as you can right now. Obviously, Rutherford was there for two cups. But there's going to come a point when Crosby and or Malkin retire and they have no picks where they're going to be last in the NHL for like four straight years. Yeah, but that won't be his problem because he's not going to have that job at that point. No, uh, no, so, no, no. Truth. But, Truth. It, it, let me ask you this, too. And listen, I already felt this way about Pittsburgh anyway. I, I know you're a little more reserved in evaluating them, but are the, are the five best teams in the NHL all in the East now? Yeah, I think they are. Uh, um, I mean, I guess St. Louis Maybe. would be sixth for me. Yeah, I, I, have been scuffling since the break. Yeah, but Washington's played terribly too. Like, I'm not sure Washington's that much better than the other than some of these other teams that we're talking. But about. Washington's a top five team. Yeah, you know, but I mean, we're talking about St. Louis or Pittsburgh. I'm not sure they're. I'm not ready to say that they're clearly better than St. Louis and Pittsburgh. Uh, well, Pittsburgh's about to catch them if Washington. See, do I want that? I guess I do now because Toronto's not in a wild card spot. Um, I, I would say. If you if you ask me right now, like which who are the five best teams on February twelfth? Not necessarily totally based on record. I would say Tampa, then Boston, then Washington, Toronto, Pittsburgh. I think and Boston, Tampa, and I think then there's a bit of a gap. Yeah, like I just think those two are so, are so clear. I mean Tampa's on. I mean Tampa's playing, but Tampa's the best team right now. See what happens with the Kucherov yeah. injury. Left uh, Kucherov and Sorelli left uh, with lower body injuries last night. Sorelli's been really good for them. Yes, too. he has been. So, uh, but again, I, I, this team can sustain some injury. I, there's nothing they're going to do. I mean, they might end up winning this division. Now we're not going to care about any of this stuff until we get to the postseason. They're winning anyway. this division. Yeah, they they should at this point. I kind of they don't lose like anymore too, especially if Boston's going to go and lose in Detroit. Twice they've lost to Detroit twice this year. That that almost should put a cap on like you can't actually win the Stanley Cup because you lost to it's Detroit like twice. That means you're not taking right, the game seriously. Four <laughs> <laughs> um, they should but, have to win six out of seven in the Stanley Cup. So there's no. I, I'm with you guys. I don't think there's any way a Western Conference team wins the Cup this year. I know one has to technically be there, and then at that point you can get hot. <laughs> but there's just no way. I I just can't see it. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, because again, it, let's say it's St. Louis. They don't have to go through Pittsburgh, Tampa, Toronto, Washington, Boston to get there. They just have to go through one of them. So I, I think when you get to the Stanley Cup, it's it's you know at worst 60-40. But I do think the five best teams are in the Eastern Conference. Because at this point, Pittsburgh's doing this now without Gensel. They did most of it without Crosby. And they're, what, two, three points behind Washington at this point. 
Let me ask you this about, we've, we've talked a lot about Vegas, how all of us expected them to win this division and continue ex- to expect them to win the division. They continue to disappoint. Why, why were we quite as high as we were on Vegas? When you, when you start to analyze that roster, what, what is it about that team that made us believe that they were the best team in the division? Because they've overcome all of the warts they've had on the blue line for the last two years with just dynamic offense and good goaltending. And then just it hasn't been the same this year. Let me take a look. You know, when I was analyzing the Coyote center position, I started looking at production from other team centers. And there are a lot of teams out there that have high-end production from their center position. Vegas is not one of those teams. Is this team good enough up the middle? Um, As it turns out, probably not. I still think they're going to win the division. But when you look at them, like here, this this is why I thought that they would win the division at the start of the year. They're coming off two seasons ago, making it to the Stanley Cup when they did not have nearly as good of a roster then as they do now. They probably should have at least made the Western Conference final last year. You add Mark Stone at the end of last season, who's one of, if not the best, two-way forwards in the NHL. You've got Pat Charetti, you've got Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault. Um, But, you know, William Carlson has 10 goals this year. He's two years removed away from, what, 40, 43? You would expect more from him and Paul Stastny. That's, That's who I would say are two guys that have not perform the way I would have anticipated. But to your point, they don't have a good defense. No, they definitely don't have a good blue line. And like I said, I, I think the strength of their forward group is on the wings. And that's, you know, that can carry it far. And there, there are exceptional wings that, uh, that, that can carry a team, drive offense, the Patrick Kane's. I think Stone's one of those guys. But uh, I still think it's really important to have that play through the middle of the ice. And uh, it, it may be another thing to watch with Vegas. And maybe that's one of the other reasons that they're just – not doing what we expected them to do at the start of the season. Yeah, and even with their new coach, I think they're playing at almost the exact same pace as they were before. Imagine that. Nothing has changed. Maybe they shouldn't have fired one of the better coaches in the NHL. I just think when you look around the Pacific, all of these teams, like none of them are dominant, obviously. I mean, the Coyotes, when healthy, have the best goaltending. Calgary has probably, what, the most physical, and you would you would think, battle-tested in the playoffs team other than Vegas. Edmonton has McDavid and Vancouver... And Cooper's in first place. Yes, and Dreisaitl. And the guy that's leading the league in points. Yes. Leon Dreisaitl. Don't forget him. Dreisaitl, who was by far their best player the one time they did make the playoffs with McDavid. Dreisaitl was their best player in the playoffs. And it's going to have to be their best player for a little bit here if they're going to stay in this playoff race. Yeah. Um, does that answer know, your I, question, I just, Craig? I don't even remember what you asked. He was talking about center depth. <laughs> oh, okay. Center depth and production. I just, I just feel so apathetic about all of these teams right now. Like, I just... Uh, I mean, we keep waiting for Vegas to come up and win the division, but we've been saying, oh, they're going to turn it on for four months now. Okay, but here, let me let me rephrase it then. Who would you I don't know. not want to play in a playoff series? Like, if you're St. Louis, and you're probably going to beat whoever you play in the first round anyway, but is there a team or two you're looking at? Like, I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to play Vegas in the first round if I was St. Louis. I would much rather play Edmonton or Vancouver. I wouldn't want to play the Coyotes if they have Kemper, but... Yeah, I don't know if they're going to have Kemper. Healthy Kemper, probably the Coyotes. Vegas close, especially because the environment of playing those playoff games in Vegas. Yeah, and not to but, say St. Louis wouldn't win that series. I'm just saying if you're the number one seed, you don't you don't want to repeat of what we saw from both conferences last year, where you suddenly had to play a tougher team in the first round than you should have. What about Dallas? Would you want to play Dallas in the first round with the way they play defense, the goaltending they get? 
because they they don't get any scoring and they don't get any production from their center position either. No, no but I, I wouldn't even want to watch Dallas. But I, but I don't think yeah, they're. That, that's my greater problem. Yeah, I mean that point it's, it's whether Colorado can jump St. Louis because I don't think Dallas will fall into a wild card spot at this point because I don't think Winnipeg no. or anybody in the Central is going to jump up and jump Dallas. No, no wait, so. but let's let's go back for a second, Jamie. Colorado could jump St. Louis. They they're could. only one point back with the game in hand. Well, we'll see what happens when they start playing actual NHL teams. Oh, are you saying Ooh, Ottawa's not actual? I'm, I'm saying Buffalo, Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa twice. Minnesota, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I'll give them credit for they, they somehow got two goals in on Elvis, which, by the way, that, you should get two wins. Is a that. record, yeah. Yeah, you should get double wins for that. Valerie Nachushkin, remember him from Dallas? He was like supposed to be the next big thing, and he just never played for Dallas. All of a sudden, is scoring in Colorado. If that team adds Taylor Hall in the offseason, they're going to the be The thing ridiculous. that's going to be interesting to see is who they add this year, because they have some space. They do. We're here, we're, I, there were a lot of rumblings, as Ooh. the kids say, about uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot and adding him to the team uh, at the deadline, which would be a name that we've talked about that's out there. That would be interesting. Uh, as, Something about adding players from Ottawa at the trade deadline to make a playoff push. I, I, don't I know, know it usually hasn't gone well for anybody ever, <laughs> particularly centers. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that would be interesting. Kreider on Colorado would be interesting, and they have mm. the cap space to do it, and they have the assets to do it. They don't really. I mean, he's fast, but he's maybe a little more physical of a player than some of the. I guess they have Kadri and Landis Gog, although they don't have Kadri right now. Three pretty big injuries, actually, with McDavid going down, Kadri going down. Jamie mentioned uh, Kucherov. We don't know how long that's for, but Seth Jones. Oh, I Seth mean, Jones, yeah. That's, that could uh, they torpedo Columbus. Out. Yeah, they have to, right? Still got Elvis. That's true. If they never let in any goals, I mean, it. They will lose one nothing in the shootout a lot. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, Okay, let's. Well, before we get to some of these playoff teams or these fringe playoff teams, I just want a quick update. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about Buffalo this week? They suck. Okay, good. Just, uh, just making sure. Also, why does Buffalo play Detroit every other night? Because mercy? I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's close. It, Pagula asked for it. I sort of feel like they have isolated those two teams and, and just quietly nudged them out of the league, and they're just playing each other. They're like one of those adult leagues where there's only two teams worth of players that signed up, so you just play the same team over and over again for 14 weeks. That's what Detroit and Buffalo. You would know. I would. Have you been in this situation? This sounds familiar. Uh, yes, it's a very personal thing. Yes. Um, Alex Ovechkin has not scored now in two games. Are we concerned? <sighs> yeah, I think, I think he's washed. <laughs> I think that's why, do you, it. why do you play right into his traps, Jamie? Why? This is what makes this show go. Um, Maybe the better question is, is updating things now, who do we think wins the Rocket? Ovechkin and Matthews are tied at 40, a Pashnak at 38. I can't imagine anybody else goes on a run to jump. I, I still think Ovechkin. Yeah, I do too. Because I think if he needs five goals in the last two games, he will get five goals in the last two games. Eventually, Austin Matthews is going to win the Rocket. But it might be after Ovechkin retires. And Pasternak's always going to just be third, I guess. Which is crazy, because he's one of the best goal scorers I've seen in the last 10 years. But, yeah, I'm not betting against Ovechkin. He's still, what, he needs two more for 700? Does he need two more or does he need one more? I thought he needed two more. Yeah, I think it's two. Um, So they play on, well, they'll be here on Saturday. I guess that's where I'm hedging towards here. Are we going to see Alex Ovechkin get his 700th goal in Gila River Arena? From his back, yeah, just like recreate the rolling on his stomach and stuff. recreate the goal from what was it, 06? Yeah, they've got Colorado. We were so young back then. They're, <laughs> I mean, not Craig, but you and I were so young back then. Wow. Oh wow, just, this is just that's just hurtful. 
Um, didn't bring food today. Well, you don't know that. We just told you we didn't. It's true. Uh, you just could be lying to me. Jamie's been eyeing the duck uh, for a while. It's making me uncomfortable. Um, yeah, Washington is in Colorado on Thursday and then in Arizona on Saturday. Or maybe he'll, if Alex Ovechkin gets 700 goals in Vegas on Monday, we may never hear from Ovechkin again. He might just be lost <laughs> on the strip forever. That is a better story. Yeah, it is. It's a much better story than having it in Arizona for yeah. a number of reasons. Yes, we don't really want to see him score against the Coyotes, and I don't want Alex Ovechkin to get lost in Westgate for 10 years. Um, let's look at some of these teams. Well, in the Atlantic, if we think Tampa Bay is going to win the division, if you're Toronto, who would you rather play, Boston or Tampa in the first round? Because Toronto's Tampa, pretty well locked Tampa, in the third. Tampa? Yeah. Really? Look, are you kidding me with what's happened with them in Boston? Yeah. They can't beat Boston. It's that, and it's also the fact that, and again, maybe there's too much stock into this, but there might still be a little bit of that doomsday in the back of the Lightning players' heads, where if things start to take a turn south... They're just, they're humans. They have to go, oh no, here we go again. So if they lose game one? It might not even be lose game one. It might be like they're down 2 nothing after one period. Like, I mean, uh, well, we, we went even more extreme. We've seen this team. This team crumbled in the second period of game one yeah. last year and never recovered. How about up 3 nothing after one like, period? So I, I'm not ruling out any of those possibilities. Now, the Lightning could also sweep them. They have the talent to. Yeah, I mean, the Lightning but, have the ability to, to embarrass anybody at this point. Including themselves. Oh, well, they've done that already. They've shown that in the playoffs the last two years. Like All I know is whatever happens with the Lightning, it's going to be all their fault or all their success. Whatever happens. Unless like, they play Toronto. Then the other team, it doesn't even matter at that point. Cause it's, just, it's all about Toronto. I think I'd rather watch... I think I'd rather watch Boston-Toronto. But it does have that feel, and we've talked about this on the show before, if you're Toronto, you feel like you have to go through Boston to win the Cup. Although I guess you'd have to do it in the second round. Yeah, you'd you do play it in the second round the anyway. And, and, yeah, because you, you you can't avoid it because of the stupid playoff format. But I'd rather see Toronto Tampa. I think that that is a marquee matchup of just aesthetically pleasing hockey. I, I think, yeah, just high skill, high speed. Yeah, I want to see that series with, without a doubt. And I guess you guys are right because I I think oh, no, Tampa. Thank you. We accept wait, your wait, apology. Job, what? No, two I, other guys. I, I slate that as a drop. Oh. Sorry, I'm on my phone right now. Are Put we that doing your job folder. Still? Okay. Um, as much as Tampa is. In my mind, a clearly better team than Toronto. If the playoffs started today and we were making predictions, I'd probably take Toronto in the first round. You love Toronto. Just admit it. No, I, I want them to lose to Boston again because that's that entertains me more than anything. Yeah, it's just really tough when two bad two bad fan bases have to like one of them has to win. So I don't want to see that. I don't have the problem with Boston that you have. They lost Mookie Betts. Shouldn't we all feel sorry for them? No. Oh. That, that, that their that their owner their billionaire owner doesn't want to spend money to keep the best player they've had and best position player they've had in generation. Yeah, no, I don't feel bad. Oh, okay. Well, that changes everything then. Before we get to some of these fringe playoff teams, is there anything we want to blame on Taylor Hall since that seems to be the trend on Twitter? Everything. Okay. Yeah. Everything. He's the reason the Coyotes are. Oh wait, they're back in a playoff spot right now. It's Hang on. Because of him. Let me let me modify that. Let me figure out something. It's, something's got to be his fault, right? Well, well, yeah, well the, maybe we should maybe we should speculate instead on which Canadian team is going to trade for Taylor Hall at the deadline, since oh. it's all the rage up here in Canada. I think it's going to be Toronto. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be like Cody Cece and like a seventh round pick in twenty sixty four. Yeah, that should get it done, no. right? The next time Toronto yeah. wins the Cup, 2064? Yeah. Okay. No, no, the next time they don't win the Cup. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because they're going to win the yeah. next 42 in a row. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I would I would probably think the Coyotes have to throw in Chikrin to make that deal work. Yeah. 
Anybody that plays well against Toronto, that's, that's who they want, so they just get them, right? Because that, that's how all the trades work, which is why Toronto yeah. keeps winning well, the are, Cup. To be fair, there are certain teams around the NHL who do seem to like helping out the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> they do, but they never give them really good players. They just they take just, their bad players. Yeah, they just give them cap relief. Oh, it's too bad yeah. Chicago never had teams like that. They just took the good players. Uh, I wish you could see the smile on Jamie's face as he rang the bell. In that one moment, Jamie and I were on the same side. He's uh, been wanting to ring the bell for so long. He really it's has. It's, a, uh, it's an honor and a privilege. I have to wait for I have to wait for Craig to leave. Why when the adults go to bed? Then I can play with you before. <laughs> to wait for the adults to go to bed. Why? Um, why is this a thing to blame Taylor Hall for the Coyotes not having Darcy Kemper? Am I, am I missing something? Because I thought this was going to go because away. They were in first place when they got him, Luke, and and now they're in the last wild card spot. With and the other teams around them have games in hand. Because lazy, it's clearly narr- Taylor Hall's fault. Yeah, because lazy narratives are easier to say than doing research. Well, okay, I I don't like. I don't accept it from some media person in Montreal or something that isn't paying attention and just assumes Taylor Hall is coming to their team. But if you're a Coyotes fan and you're blaming the guy that's averaged almost a point per game since he got here for the Coyotes dropping off, then this is literally why we can't have good things if you don't even appreciate it when you have it. Yeah, and look, a lot of this is coming from outside the Coyotes fan base too, right? Well, yeah. There are plenty of, plenty of people who believe in the Taylor Hall curse. Oh, look, New Jersey's playing better without him. It's insanity. Yeah, but are they really? Has, go ahead. But like, are they really playing better without him? Like, I'm. They, no, they're, they're no, not. They're not. <laughs> Come on. They won like two games in a row, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, no, the, no, the, the Devils saved their season because they beat like Washington and Tampa Bay back to back, and then they're still going to be the third worst team in the East." They beat two teams that weren't taking them seriously. Congratulations, you're in last place in the. If if the Coyotes that we've said we've said this a bunch on the show, but I guess it bears continued repeating. Uh, if they didn't have Taylor Hall, they didn't make this Taylor Hall trade. They are like seven or eight points back from a playoff spot right now. Yes, that's and that's again that's the flip side of the coin. Look at that. What would they be without him? Because that is the one line that has been consistently driving offense, producing that line with Christian Dvorak and Connor Garland. And by the way, how much does Taylor Hall help Christian Dvorak's game? We talk about that impact, too, because Dvorak has really played well lately. Yeah, I they mean... need more... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Dvorak's now second on the team in points and goals. Yeah, ahead of... Uh, which guy did he just pass? Um, well, goals, he just passed... Clayton. Well, points. Sort of, yeah, Keller. points he passed Keller. Uh-huh. The guy who's not producing at all right now. It feels like he's not but on now, the team. Now, mind you, I think those guys have been better. Schmaltz, Keller, and Sinistroza, that line has been better. They have. But... They're still not producing points. Keller, I will say this, for the first time in, since about Christmas, I felt like he was on the team last night and he because he had a pretty good shot. He had one really good shot against Toronto, and he back-checked on a play. That, it, I mean, it was, it was a pretty good back-check. I forget who was, who was on the breakaway for Toronto. I think it was the shorthanded breakaway. Um, so... I mean, he didn't. He didn't end up disrupting the play, but that's the effort you want to see, whether you're a wing or a center or a defenseman or whatever. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I they they still need that line to produce. Schmaltz still leads the team in points, but yeah. pretty clearly Taylor Hall, Connor Garland, and Christian Dvorak are the uh, those are the three offensive players you trust the most on this team right now, right? And they all just happen to be on the same line, right? And they're getting, I mean, they're getting good play from other players at this point. I, I like Carl Soderberg on the wing. Actually, uh, Derek Stepan has played better. Lawson Kraus has had a, a really good season, and it's nice to see. Brad Richardson getting back to playing the game that we know he can play. Now, we knew he wasn't going to score 19 goals again 
He's not going to come anywhere near that, but he has been uh, a really good defensive player, and he's been great on the PK. Their PK lately has just been nails. Brad Richardson, in, in my opinion, is right back to, to the guy that we know uh, from past seasons. Yeah, that break uh, seemed to help him more than anybody, and that's a great point. They need him to be sort of the anchor of that fourth line. By the way, it was Alexander Kerfoot, the player I always forget when he does stuff. Kerfoot? Yeah. He was the one on the uh, the shorthanded breakaway that could have ended it in regulation last night. Well, for uh, sh- should we discuss the elephant, the other elephant in the room of what we thought about the you know, the, the reversal of the goal at the end of the game? Because we kind of danced around it earlier, but I know we've, we've got 80,000 questions about it. Um, it, it just I, I don't I don't know what goalie interference is. I don't think it was a yeah. bad call or a good call. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, it was. It was sort of a borderline. It, initially, when I looked at it, I thought that Campbell initiated the contact. But when I when I looked closely at it, it did look like Stepan backed into the blue paint just a step, and I understood why they made the call. I, honestly, in the end, I didn't have a problem with it. And God bless him, Brad Richardson, after the game and post-game interviews, just says it bluntly, yeah, it looked like interference, which is not what any Coyote fan wants to hear, but <laughs> Brad Richardson doesn't care about all that stuff. He just speaks the truth. So I saw it from two different angles. The first angle they released was like an over-the-top angle, which you couldn't really tell it didn't look like it. But there was like an ice level, like almost like if you were playing, like ref cam angle where you were seeing it and you could see you could clearly see uh he gets his step on gets his skate like in the blue paint between uh Campbell's legs and kind of bumps him just as the shot's coming in which I guess is technically no goal no penalty the way it's written but yeah I'm a little surprised they overturned it that's the thing that surprises me (sighs) I thought whatever you called on the ice you were going to call and and I I want to see how the Coyotes respond now because going back to what you were saying at the start of the show Craig they should beat Ottawa they need to beat Ottawa, and had they won that game last night, just the way they won, with Chikrin celebrating, mean, they were celebrating like, look at this, we just won back-to-back games we shouldn't have won. It seemed like momentum was building. It's still a success to get three out of four points, but I, I wonder if that stunts their development at all, their evolution that they seem to be uh, building on here these last couple games. If they don't well, go out there and beat Ottawa, that's a problem. Yeah, that, fortunately, they get to play Ottawa. So that that should help a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I, you, you hope that there's enough veteran leadership in this locker room that they understand the situation now. There just aren't enough games left for you to feel sorry for yourself after that call. And, and back to your point, Jimmy, or both of you guys, you know, with with reviews this season, we thought it was going to have to be egregious to overturn a call on the ice. And Rick Tockett made that point after the game, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> he, he did say, you know, it's that's – that, there was there was subtext in his quote. If you guys heard, he said, "Well, that's that's their call in, uh, you know, that's Toronto's call mm-hmm. in Toronto." <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> yeah, and there are no accidents. So it was pretty clear he was hinting at something, but yeah, he he didn't like the call. But you know, it's it's one of those borderline calls. You, you just got to live with it. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to like derail the Coyotes. It just felt like they were ready to take off after that game last night, and now it's like, yeah. okay, you, you're going to you're going to have to manufacture that going into the Ottawa game instead of just having the end of the Toronto game and the Montreal game to point to. Uh, I want to hit before we go to to listener. Or do you have anything else, Craig? Nope. Before we, Jamie. No, I just wanted to stop you. Good, because I was going to cut you off anyway if you started to talk. Um, before we go into listener questions, let's run through some of these fringe playoff teams. I just want you guys to tell me if you would if you would be buyers or sellers or just standing pat at the trade deadline, okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> Your enthusiasm <laughs> is palpable. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Enthusiasms. All right, where's the list of teams? Columbus. Uh, you guys are good at this what, game. What do you have to sell? 
did you lose everything in the off season? Yeah, I, I don't think you do anything if you're Columbus. Yeah, stand okay. pat. Uh, Philadelphia. Is there a more league <sighs> average team than Philadelphia? Bye. Bye. Yeah. To do what? Well, to losing five. To losing five to somebody like. Uh, it's better than losing in four. Is it? That you got to get into the mindset of the actual management. Does Philadelphia believe it's a contender? I'm sure they do. They aren't, but I'm sure they do. They're not, especially in that conference. By the way, Carolina and Florida are both out of a playoff spot right now. I know. It's crazy to see this. I don't think Carolina's getting in. I don't. Um, Although That would be a big step back after last season for them. That would would just really, really hurt momentum there. But it's not like Columbus and Philadelphia are locked in. Uh, Can we all put to bed the ridiculous narrative that Toronto is going to miss the playoffs they are 100% a lock to make the playoffs I know they're only up by a point on Carolina there's no way Toronto misses the playoffs also Florida is sort of falling apart so that would just get Toronto in mm, I don't know we'll see uh, Carolina I still don't like that blue line I watched that blue you watched that blue line last night I, I think Toronto is really susceptible to a good four check that blue line is not good Toronto's definitely flawed but they're going to use the, the they're going to circumnavigate the cap and end up having a salary cap of like ninety million going into the playoffs. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, and we know teams will just give them their best defense. So do, do they have someone they can Patrick Kane for the end of the season? Oh yeah, they have. Uh, well, they have Cody Cece, and they have Morgan Riley. That's true. Well, Morgan Cody Riley. C- well, Cody yeah. Riley. They've already discussed that. Possibly. Yeah, the Riley one's interesting. Cody Cece just not being on the ice is a plus for them. Yeah, so. but they're going to tell him he's hurt until April seventh, and then he's going to be miraculously cured. Uh, and because Florida's falling off, Toronto will just lock into third in that division, so they don't have to rush Morgan Riley back either. Are you buying or selling if you're Carolina? Oof. I mean, I'm probably doing nothing. Like, I don't know what... Are you really going to give up any reasonable assets to sneak into the second wildcard spot in a conference that's so top-heavy? Like, is I, I is don't it because it's the, the East? Yeah, because okay. I don't think there's a legitimate, reasonable path to them to get to the conference final. Like, I, don't, I don't think you give up long-term assets. I agree. Nor do I think you sell. You're a young enough team. There's no. I don't know who you, you'd be giving away at this point, but I know, I know it's not a fun answer. But I, I, No, I agree with that, though. I'd stay the course if I were that team. I'm just trying to build with what you've been doing. Yeah. They're still a good team. That's the thing. They're a good team. They're just in a, they're just in a really good conference. Yeah, and they'll be a good team next year. They're they somehow, a great team, but... somehow made the conference final last year. I know, but that mm-hmm. was... That's not happening so this year. Clear. No. Uh, Florida. This is the most interesting of the Eastern Conference teams to me. I, I you're not selling, but you should be a playoff team. You, they, I don't know they if they're going to be make because you've been getting better goaltending for the most part, at least compared to the first two months of the season. You've been getting better goaltending. Yeah, I know Barkov missed a little bit of time, but he's back. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean. I mean, their blue line isn't as good as maybe the names on the paper. Also, to be fair, they dressed like a thousand defensemen last night because they don't have enough forwards to fill out the team. So that might be an issue for them. Yeah. But, I mean, they played two defensemen, I believe, on Achari's wing last well, night. Maybe they should trade for a forward that's an actual forward. That might be something they could do. I mean, again, if you want to make small, I call them the old Tuomo Rutu trades, the six-round pick for a bottom six veteran. By all means, any of these teams can do that because you don't care that six-round pick's not going to turn into anything most likely. So those kind of deals are perfectly fine, but I'm not giving up first, second-round picks, top mid-level prospects just to hope I can get in the second seed and lose to no, Tampa Bay in the fourth round. Florida. No, no not, so, not in Joe Quimble's first season. What do you think it would cost to get Chris Kreider 
Are we talking like a second rounder? Because I'd give up a third round know. for him. For sure. Well, I, don't, I don't think that'll get it done. Yeah, I don't think that'll get it done either. Um, I, I just think there's, if a team's going to give up a second or something like that, it's going to be a team that's much closer to being a cop contender than either Carolina or Florida. Or all right. Philly. Well, yeah. then let's transfer to my next team, Chicago. Huh. We, said, we said closer to uh, a cup contender. Oh, you didn't say which cup, though. You're right. They're closer to winning a cup because if you look in the past, yeah. like they're closer, they're farther. But uh, no. Uh, they're, what are they going to do? They're not trading Patrick Kane, so what else are they going to do? I'm just throwing out the teams that are around the... Uh, so you guys don't have anybody making any trades. you got to move a goalie. I, I don't have these teams making trades. The Blackhawks should move a goalie. They should... If, yeah, I mean, Leonard's on the one-year deal, but... Both of them, both of them are UFAs at the end of the season. I don't, yeah, think, Crawford, anybody, too, right? I don't think anybody's training for Corey Crawford right now. Maybe not. Yeah, he's thirty-five, and with that injury history. But then, what are you? What are you saying? If you're trading Leonard, then what is your goaltending situation? Then you, it almost looks like if if both of those guys are gone at the end of the season, it almost looks like Stan Bowman is doing what he he should be doing, admitting what he should be admitting. <laughs> it's over. That Colin yes. Delia is going to win a Vezina next year. That's yeah, no, all yeah. there. <laughs> sign like Peter Mrazek. Um, would you trade Brandon Saad, who is having a terrific year and probably has really good value right now? I would. Yes. Yeah. But I, I just I don't not for I, I don't not have just good, for the sake of trading him. I but just don't like, have a good feel for what they're going to do because I don't know because they're delusional and they've been delusional for years, mostly <laughs> as a CYA tactic. But I, I my thought at the beginning of the year that they signed Leonard Leonard to trade him. That was my thought at the beginning of the year. They almost did that baseball move where you sign a guy to a one-year deal knowing you're probably not going to be a contender because you can turn that player into assets at the deadline. Yeah. That's what I think they can do. But Yeah, and, and then, then, then there's the big question, and, and I don't think it'll happen just because of what he's meant to this franchise, but Duncan Keith. Yeah. There are a lot of teams that would want him on there. That's Ross the guy. love to have Duncan Keith. That's the guy you could still get a lot for, I think. That isn't yep. going to damage the fan base the way trading Patrick Kane would. Is that, is that an offseason move, though? Do you want more teams involved? Maybe. You may. Yeah, that may be the case. Uh, I don't I, know. I really think... I, I, I would almost do that now because how much... Not that Duncan Keith is done at the end of this year, but if I'm a team that's buying Duncan Keith, I want him right now. I know he's healthy going into the playoffs. True. That's so, fair. So how do we get him on Toronto? He has three more years after this year. Yeah. But it's but it's 5.5 but yeah, like Duncan it, it's, Keith, you know? It's, yeah. That's not going to kill you, and he's he's no. playing well enough. I mean that that that's not going to kill you. Yeah, and his style of game allows him to play at a, a fairly high level. I don't think he's a, a top pair defenseman anymore. But if you could shelter his minutes a little bit, put him on your second pair, I think Duncan Keith could still be really effective for a few years. Yeah, and the way things are going, like that's second pair money at the moment. Yeah, yeah, so, it is. It does, and that's true. So Duncan Keith, Jacob Chicker, and Taylor Hall to Toronto for Cody Cece. Yeah, Cody Cece. Uh, maybe they'll throw in you know somebody on the. Maybe they'll throw in somebody just on the fourth line. Okay. Um, Winnipeg. If I'm Winnipeg, I'm, I'm trying to add a little defense. Yeah, I'm you trying to add Dustin Bufflin. Your blue line. <laughs> they should. They should add this Dustin Bufflin guy. I think he'd um, be good. Look, they have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs, and I guess if you have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs in the West, means you have a legitimate shot of getting to the conference final. I think the West. they could do some damage yes. if they got um, in. Sure, and even yeah. if, especially if you had a defenseman, because it's so clear what their problem is. Right? They have excellent goaltending. They have a good forward group. If you could just improve this blue line, you'd feel pretty good about yourself going into the playoffs, yeah. like you said in the Western Conference. That's probably a buy and figure out what you a, a, a buy team and figure out what you're doing with Bufflin. I don't know if you. 
trade him? Like what? I don't know what they're dealing with that, but they def- they definitely need a defenseman or three. But yeah, they're they're a, they're a buy for me. Minnesota's not. Don't even ask me about them. That they weren't on my list. Okay, good. You're still not acknowledging that they're in the playoff race. You no. only have three games in hand on the Coyotes. Did you see the Bill Guerin quote though about how if guys if he sees anybody not trying, there will be more trades. That was like his exact quote yesterday after they made the Zucker deal. They're in the race, but they're not buying. They literally just traded Zucker. Well, no, I guess my but, question with them would be, are they selling still? Uh, Maybe. They could, yeah. I, I think they, they have a more reasonable expectation for where they actually are as a team right now. Okay. Um, Nashville. Yeah, that's a really hard one. Who do you, What does Nashville think it is right now? I, I, I've been trumpeting this all year. I, I think Nashville's window is closed. They have some good pieces on that blue line, but uh, it's not happening for this team. So, what do you do? What do you are you ready to admit it? They're behind Minnesota right now in the playoff race. Now they have games in hand on everybody. Yeah, but they're in such yeah. a they're such a bad spot. Because you're going to say you you admit that you're out of it with eight million dollars for the next forever on Duchesne and six you know six million dollars on the next four years after this year for Kyle Turris and. I mean, you've got all these long-term deals with guys. Like, this is a team that is going to have a really interesting offseason. Like, do do because if if they're done, done, what do you do with all these guys like Duchesne and Yossi and uh, you? I mean, these guys are signed forever. Duchesne's another guy I forgot was in the league this year. He's got thirty-five yeah. points, which I, it's, I mean, it's I guess it's fine. Okay, it's not winning you any games though. Nashville's where centers go no. to die. Yeah, apparently it is. Yeah, but I, yeah, again, looking at their 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 blue line, the blue line is still the strength of this team, and 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 Pecorine continues to play well. But I don't; I, those those are your chips, right? If you if you really want to start this over, it's not like you're going to be able to move those contracts. Jamie just referenced; nobody's taking those contracts at this point. So if you they're in a they're in a really tough spot. Duchesne and Turris are signed for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got three really really strong defenseman. You got Roman Yossi who's now going to jump up to 9 million next year. You've got Ryan Ellis who will be back at some point. But you know, Ekholm is at extremely reasonable 375. Like you you can build around that and you still got like the Dante Fabros of the world. But it just I, I don't know what you do because, you know, Ryan Johansson's not giving you 8 million dollars a year. You know, Matthew Shane's not getting 8 million dollars a year. Kyle Turris isn't giving you 3 more or less 6 million dollars a year. Like I, I don't know yeah. what you do, and all those. I mean, Johansson's twenty seven, but Duchesne's twenty nine, Turris is thirty, Yossi's twenty nine, Ekholm's twenty nine. Like that is the worst spot because you can't really make trades. You need the guys you have to produce. They're caught in the middle, and this is one of those ones where I don't see how they can make this team good enough in the next couple of years to take advantage of. Even if those guys bounce back next year to being a cup contender, I don't see how they get to that path to being a cup contender. In this window, and then you have all these guys signed for so long. Like this, this could get ugly in the next couple of years. Where we're talking about, do they move on from Yossi? But you have to be concerned with a thirty offenseman that's now as good as he's been, entering his age thirty season next year and making nine million for the next forever. Like we're going to start talking about whether Philip Forsberg is going to be the long term piece there, or whether he's the piece that they move to really blow for Martin Erat. You could probably still get Martin Erat. Right, they probably still care. Where's he playing? The kid in the KHL um, up in Scottsdale, the Ice Den. <laughs> Uh, so we don't have to go through all of the Pacific Division teams. First, let's separate the Coyotes. What do we think the Coyotes are doing in the next 12 days, if anything? I think John will make a move. I, I could see them being buyers and sellers. In fact, he said that very thing. Um, I could see a guy like Michael Grabner getting moved out because he makes a fairly significant salary. He hasn't been playing much. Um, and they, if they want to add, they're going to need to do some maneuvering since they are a cap team. 
repeat there at cat team. <laughs> but I could see them adding a little muscle on the back end. I think Rick Tockett thinks they're a little too soft on their blue line. And, and maybe something on the wing as well. By the way, the answer to the question was, he's playing in the Czech League uh, alongside Peter Mueller uh, from the same team. Playing in fi- uh, five, go- uh, five assists in ten games this year. Berno Cometa. Playing Peter, teammates with Peter Mueller. There are like spinoffs of the mid-2010 Coyotes teams that are just dominating over in Europe and China right now. And I, to know that... Thomas Plakanich is on this team as well. Wow. wow look at this that. Is, this is an interesting, interesting little group here. Yeah. Merrick Longhammer was on that team for a while. Can you order his hats, Jamie? He's well, doing it right now. We should have got like what the Kunlin cool. Red Star hats when they had all the ex Coyotes, yeah. like Chipchura yeah. and all those, and they probably Gilbert Brule, Brandon Yip, Brandon Yip. Um, the yep. other four teams in the Pacific are. Do any of them stand out as they have to buy? Because to me, Calgary might be. On yeah, Calgary's going to make. I, I think they will. They have to. It, I, I, this I, sort of feels like the last push with this group, as, as crazy as that is. I, I kind of feel like Brad's under a little pressure up there mm-hmm. with how up and down that they've been. And it's just, uh, it, again, we've, we've talked about this entire division, how nobody's just jumping up and taking it. And after the season they had last year, you would have thought maybe that they were, <laughs> even though we knew they were team nonlinear progression, you would have thought maybe they were finally finding themselves and ready to take that next step. But they've, they've fallen back a little bit again. It's, it's funny, and I agree with you, Brad's probably under pressure in Calgary. I don't know that he should be, but he, he is. Um, but it's funny because when he was here with Don Maloney, I always thought Don Maloney was really good at getting the secondary pieces and finding bargain chips, but never really getting like the, the game changers. Whereas if you look at what Brad's done with Calgary, he was able to draft Matthew Kachuk and make the trade for Elias Lindholm, but it's all the secondary pieces that... The top of their lineup is is pretty solid with Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm, and Monahan, and then they don't have anything after that that you can rely on at all. Yeah, yeah, and there, again, another team that you want to talk about center production. That's another team that's you know Monahan's got forty points. I think I'm not sure, I didn't update that over the last couple of days, but beyond that, what are they getting from that position? That's another team that maybe has some concerns at the center position. Well, as we've seen, that's an issue because that's not really something you can address unless you get a top pick. No, in the draft. it's not. You know, the Coyotes would love to add a center at the trade deadline, but yeah, you can't find that commodity. You could add a, a guy, you could add a, a depth center, sure, but I don't think they need that, especially since Brad Richardson seems to be back to his old self. You want you want more production from that position, and that's just an impossible commodity to find at the trade deadline, or really most times of year. All right, let's unless go. Peter Shirelli's around. <laughs> Let's go through some of the uh, listener questions, and let's start with Eldon. Nobody's going to say hi to Eldon? Hi, Eldon. By the way, rate and review the show. Now, if you've listened 53 minutes in, you should uh, at least rate the show, please. Uh, Eldon, totally unrealistic expansion draft idea, but for the first three picks, no players off limits, but Seattle must take one forward, one defenseman, and one goalie only. Who are you taking? Mm. <laughs> no players off limits? Well, I think it's just more of like a hypothetical who's the best if you're building a team. If you were starting a team, you would build it around McDavid. Yep. Um, mm. Would you take on defense at this point? I mean, that's tough. My default answer is usually Hedman, but if I'm building from scratch, do I want one of these rookies? Youth. Yeah, do you want youth? question the real tough question is in net also by the way I'm, uh, mcdavid would not be my first pick who are you taking over mcdavid give i'm assuming we're gonna the, their contracts matter uh i don't know i'm assuming you would just assume what their contract was i would take nate McKinnon. well yeah if, okay he didn't specific yeah okay 
Jamie found a loophole in the first Making question. half the money that Connor McDavid is, I believe he's a little bit better than half the player. I read the question as, if you're building a team, which forward defenseman and goalie do you want? Well, then, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. McDavid still. Yeah, well, then, I'll yeah. figure out the cap. I'll take Connor McDavid. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true Blackhawks supporter. We'll figure out the cap later. No, he didn't say we'll give away <laughs> Connor McDavid. He said we'll take yeah. Connor McDavid. Who are you taking in goal? Uh, like who's the best goalie right now that you trust the most? I, I guess it's that'll Rask. Be, that'll be a good goalie in like two years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the issue. That's the problem. Yeah, um, I guess Rask. But you start with Rask as who's your best goalie right now? But then who do you want in a couple years? Who I like knows? I, I like Samsonov in Washington, I, but, but I have no idea. I, but we've we've seen this before where these young goalies come up and they look great, and then two years later they can't play hockey anymore. It's I don't I don't understand the position. What about Jimmy Howard? He has two wins this year. How about Peter Morazic, who was supposed to be the savior for the Red Wings? How's that working out? Um, I don't think that's your, that's, you've reached your limit on Peter Morazic references in this podcast. Um, Rose, with all of the different factors going into it, can goalie interference actually be consistently called? No. All right. Did I answer your question, Rose? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There's so many gray areas within it, right? There's so much interpretation in it that you're going to have, well, you're going to have situations like we had last night in Toronto, which wasn't, wasn't the most egregious overturn call I've seen. I mean, again, that one, that one was, that was a tough call and I could see their argument for it. I, I definitely saw their argument with, it. I actually agreed with it when I, when I looked at it up close, but it, it is such a tough call. And, and now that you've introduced this element of, well, it's got to be egregious for them to overturn it. And then you, you overturn one that didn't necessarily seem egregious. It, it seems like it's had even more gray area. Well, the best thing about goalie interference is it will definitely screw over some team in the playoffs in dramatic fashion. We just don't know which one yet. Yeah. Uh, Desert Doggies 96. In the shootout, have an opposing defender start at the blue line behind the shooter, chasing them down. That prevents Patrick Kane from making 57 moves at 0.075 miles per hour in front of the goalie. Here's the solution there. Just put a shot clock on it. Yeah, put be a easy. shot clock yeah. on the attempts. It's absurd that they can do that. Kane and Taves can do what they do. Or, it's just silly. It's not fair. Or you just let the goaltender be able to throw his equipment. At I was going to say, I, I, Greg, if you had been in studio, you could tell by the look on Jamie's face it wasn't going to be a good idea. But yeah, because I, I opened my mouth. <laughs> He's going to go well, through. I mean, Luke. To be honest, I could tell that from Ottawa. Oh, okay. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be a good idea. I know, Jamie. How about if we give the goalie a gun? Uh, Coachy's Jack. I mean. Before the trade, meeting the shot on goal, Rick Tockett was touted as the Kessel Whisperer. Why do you suppose Phil isn't thriving as a Coyote? Uh, hey. Maybe he's whispering too quietly. Uh, hey. Uh, hey. I don't know. So many reasons. He's been better lately. He was he was thriving early? I thought he was playing well early this season. Then yeah. he got hurt. Then he recovered, and his game didn't come with it. I, I don't know, and I, I do think that there's a. I think there's a double standard for Phil Kessel. I think he gets away with things more than other players. I don't think it's fair. Uh, I do think he's been better lately, but got to see that for more than a week. Uh, yep. I'm a I'm a Raven. Give me some hope. How did the Yotes go from the worst team in the NHL outside of Detroit, LA, in the last month to the playoffs, which probably requires something like a 625 uh, winning percentage for the rest of the season? Well, I can give you some hope. I don't know that's going to take a 625 winning percentage to get in. Bingo, because of the rest of the Pacific. There's your hope. What do you think it takes point-wise to make, to let's say, get third in the Pacific this year? Or let's just say to, to sneak into the playoffs in the Western Conference. I don't know. I haven't looked at Dom's, uh, Dom Lachushin's projections lately. 
but I could call it up while you guys are discussing other things and let you know. Ninety six. It's not going to take ninety six points to make it in the West. I mean, right now, look. I mean, what's what what pace is Calgary on? Right now, Calgary is on you know ninety two, and then Edmonton's on a ninety six or ninety seven. So I don't think it's that unreasonable to say these teams have to start somebody playing a little bit better. This is not again. You said third in the Pacific. You didn't say second wild card. Okay, let's. Well, I changed it to second wild card. Okay, well then it, we'll just do the pace the Coyotes are on now is eighty nine points because Colorado now, got in with ninety last year. Yeah, and now again there are teams with the games in the hands and all the other stuff. But you're going to have to get. Whew, I mean, Oof, boy, ninety three, ninety four, and even that's. But that's lower than usual. Montreal yes. had ninety six last year and didn't make it in the East. And like the 2017-18 season, I'm trying to see L.A., Colorado snuck in again with 95 points. I mean, typically you need to get mid-90s. I don't think it's going to take that this year. I think 91 would get you in. I, I think According to be- Dom right now, that's pretty much where we are, 91, 91. points. Okay. See, me and Dom 91, even, even 90. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That would be surprising. So that's 27 points. Yeah. In- well, it just shows you what this, this, this conference is looking like at the bottom. 27 points in 22 games, then? You for basically Arizona just get that point? lose your point your way in. Almost. Almost. I mean, Boston's been trying. but <laughs> I think Boston's going to make it. Now I have the it's wrong It's so standards. important in those tight games. Isn't it late to find a way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the Coyotes have 23 games left, so yeah. That would get them. If they just lose or yeah. pointed their way in, they'd get to 87. <laughs> uh, that'd, that'd be a fun run there. <laughs> uh, Dangle Snipe Belly. 28, 23, and 31. What a, what a, what a team. Honestly, what happened to make the hockey... That was Vancouver a couple years ago. Honestly, what happened to make the hockey gods spite us in so many ways for so many years? The goalie injuries are a little ridiculous. It's probably Craig's fault. I just haven't determined what it is specifically yet. Okay. Yeah. He angered somebody. It's probably because of he continues to sneak uh, Bell Center hot dogs into the press box when he knows he's not supposed to. Yeah. I am one of the few constants, so there might be something to this. There you go. Uh, I did have two uh, Bell Center hot dogs. It used and to... I will continue to chirp Christian Fisher for putting ketchup on his as a Chicago guy. Oh, I, I included it in my lead of my story, and I'm going to continue to mention it, even though he's told me to shut up about it. He should be healthy scratched just for that, although yeah. he's been playing better lately. I See, I thought it was me for a while. Well, I've I... liked him, actually, in his role. I've liked Christian Fisher in that role. He has. He's been a lot better. But there is no role for putting ketchup on a hot dog. No. No, no I completely agree with that. Um. Oh, this is an interesting one. Best type of jam for wheat toast, English muffin, biscuit, whatever. This seems like an answer only Jamie would um, have. There's, Cherry. there's a, cherry's not bad. There's a there was like a really good. It was like almost like a. It was like a jalapeno raspberry or something. There's like a local somebody makes it out in Tempe. Jalapeno. I, I don't need your really life good. story. I just want your favorite jam. It's good. Jalapeno. I think jalapeno is not leaving. a breakfast food, Jamie. Yeah, but it's just, it's just a hint of heat. Um, that's the name of this podcast. <laughs> it's just a I hint like of that, heat. Actually, yeah. It's what the, 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 the heat. I like that. The so new nickname cherry for- jam available. Believe it or not, at Target, there is a really good cherry jam. You should all try it. Not right. a sponsor of the show, but can be. Luke's writing it down. No, right. I won't, I won't say the name of the uh, cherry jam until they start sponsoring us. I'm writing down other things. Uh, any sorrow for how Henrik Lundqvist's career is ending? Yes. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But I also can't say it's undeserved at the moment i mean they've got but he'll he's gonna start playing more after the deadline once they trade one of their goalies most likely but uh, he's not winning a cup though unless they trade no him. no uh and even so he's not going to be the starting goaltender on a team that does so 
it's a little sad. Uh, I thought I didn't think they were going to be a cup team, but I thought they might have a chance to make a playoff run here this year, and just it's not not working out at all. Uh, Stephen Vice. I was going to ask a question, but the refs disallowed it after deeming there was goaltender interference when Jummy Cinnamon Sprinkles interfered with Craig Venti, and it's just a gif of oranges. So many oranges. Oranges, yes. Thank you. I did see that. Thank you. That wasn't your favorite jam. Um, right. No, Craig doesn't like it. scheduling another session with my therapist now. <laughs> uh, Murdoch, how do you prefer your burger cooked, and how long is the conditioning stint for Hayton? Well, that was... <laughs> I feel like those are... <laughs> Basically, not the same question. Well, you could you could say this: How much longer do you think Barrett Hayton needs to cook in the minor leagues? Oh boy, I'm oh, sorry. Wow. I apologize to oh, everyone God. for that. Okay. Medium rare is the you're first in rare answer. form, Craig. Medium rare form. Medium rare is the first answer, and two more. Well, they played last night, so one more game for Barrett Hayton, mm-hmm. and then he'll be back with the team. But to be fair, he did he did note that he saw your uh, piece on the Athletic, and that's how he wrote it too. Thank you for saying um, it that way too. A uh, medium for me. Um, Michael, is anyone else saddened by the Galchenyuk news? I know he's not on the team, but I still thought that was a place he had a chance to succeed. I, I, I mean, if you like Galchenyuk, as it turns out, it wasn't going to work in Pittsburgh. At least Minnesota is a different look. Or like I said, eventually he needs to get to Ottawa. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised that I, I thought he was going to do some big things, particularly if he played on Malkin's line and just it just it snake bitten from the start. Yeah. Uh, and didn't play well once he got in, and just, and they had injuries. They needed him yeah. at times. Um, it, it is weird. I, I really, I mean, I don't know. I, I've been like the biggest Galchenyuk fan for a while now, and I didn't think he was that bad when he was here. But he was not good in Pittsburgh. George, who does know where Craig lives, although he didn't write that in the question, but it's implied. Who's the best broom balancer on the Coyotes? Broom balancer. Yeah, have you followed this trend that is annoying and is stupid, and I don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, people were like standing their brooms up for something. I don't know. It was a thing that happened on the internet. It was another one of the bad ideas that happened on the internet. Jamie just turned into an 85-year-old man yelling at everybody. Back in my day. Get off my virtual lawn. Um, Victor, I think this is a question that we, we do need to address. With the win over Boston, Detroit's only 37 points back of the wild card. Should they be in the conversation and who will make the playoffs this season? Uh, yeah, they they need to be big buyers. Um, okay. I think they need to go out and uh, if they add about six forwards, team. four defensemen, and a goaltender, I think they have a put, chance. Put a team around Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Um, another one. Among the smart one, the duck one, and the other one, who is suffering the most from Arizona trade rumor fatigue? Well, I would guess that would be Craig. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. It doesn't bother me um, anymore. I don't cover the team. <laughs> honestly, there hasn't been a lot of trade rumors with this team other than Taylor Hall and Look, I, I just wrote about that today. So I, I know there are a lot of people saying the Coyotes might have to trade Taylor Hall. Well, yeah, they might. They might. If they lose all their games before the trade deadline, they might think. And, and if Derek Paris says, yeah, we're not resigning there, then they might have to trade him and it might be a good idea. But I don't think that's happening. I don't think they're falling out of this playoff race. I think it's really hard to fall out of this playoff race. And I don't think Darren Ferris is going to tell the Coyotes, yeah, he's not coming back there. Quite the contrary. I think Arizona is in play to keep Taylor Hall long term. Yeah, I think they are too. And that was obviously the plan when they made the trade. And the best way to fall out of the playoff race would be to trade Taylor Hall away. And the reality is, even if Arizona ends up not being his number one choice, his agent's not going to say that. Why would you take a team, why would you take a team why, <laughs> out of the contention? Yeah. That's why I acknowledge, look, if a, a a team that has a you know a, a top end center and a much better uh, immediate chance of winning the Stanley Cup comes calling this summer, sure he's going to consider that. It makes sense, it but gives them. An- we also know that money talks in this business, and the Coyotes are the one team out there 
that can offer Taylor Hall an eight-year deal. True. But so another team might have an avalanche of money to oh, offer. No. Who are you talking about there, hmm. Ottawa? Uh, Coyote and Philly, if you could have any living celebrity join the podcast for a special episode, who would you pick? I'd probably go with Jamie Eisenberg or the other Craig Morgan. <laughs> one of those two. Wow. Wow. You really thought about that one, didn't you? No, that was easy. Do you guys have answers? Um, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No. No. Good. No, effort. I'm just going to lick my wounds here. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, who has a better chance at this point? The Coyotes making the playoffs or the Avalanche making it to the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> well, I, I know what Jamie's saying. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, <laughs> both of them are benefiting from the, the West being bad. Um Colorado, I mean, obviously Arizona's path to make the playoffs is a lot easier than Colorado's path to win the Cup for a number of reasons, but I guess I'm going to go with Arizona, but I think they're both they're both challenging. Uh, I'm going to go with Arizona cause, just because I don't think the, the Avalanche would beat whoever they face from the East. Well, yeah, because I mean, they have to go through Dallas, go through St. Louis, go through whoever wins the Pacific, and then go through... Boston or Toronto well, or to Tampa fair, or Washington or Pittsburgh. He just said making it to the Stanley Cup. I think oh, okay, but we're all even acknowledging still, nope. even still, yeah. I think getting through Dallas and St. Louis is yeah. going to be super easy. Yeah. Ilya Brzgalov is on the line yeah. right now, or Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice. Uh, Los Coyotes. Steve. Well, it sounds a lot like Briz too. Los Coyotes. Steve, are the Taylor Hall trade rumors going to overshadow the usual deadline relocation rumors? Ooh, plot twist. Yeah, for probably for the next was it thirteen or twelve days? Yeah, yeah. sure. I sure. think there's plenty of room for baseless speculation on both. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Relocation I, has not uh, reared its ugly head in a while here. Yeah, but, yeah, but we, well, we, you, know we, some of that. you know we set the precedent. So we've now that we have said that, that I believe about three hours after we get off the show, like some, some report from a website that has like numbers in it, like numbers <laughs> in the URL is going to have them. Not have them Quebec.com. <laughs> All right. Here's the question that we've really been waiting for. From Tyler. Taking a question from last week, what is the best, worst, and most underrated soda? Bonus, bottled, or fountain. And then somebody named Jamie Eisner responded, I have very specific rankings I'll share when it comes to fountain, can, or bottle. And then somebody named Craig Morgan responded with, quote, samesies. Yeah. Craig, do you want, do you want to lead off on that? <laughs> okay. I can, I can give you two right off the top of my head. Best is Dr. Brown's black cherry soda in a can. What? You can find at most New York delis. Yes, that that is, that is Craig's drink of choice at Chompy's, by the way. How do you know yeah. that? I we had lunch at Chompy's one time. We, we have lunch all the time, actually. Yeah. Luke. Oh, yeah. You guys have lunch today? We'll invite, we'll invite you sometime. Yeah, I don't want to go. <laughs> most underrated soda? Yes, Dr Pepper. Is Dr and Pepper underrated? Soda? Yeah, I think it's kind of underrated. I hear a lot of people trashing Dr Pepper. Mm. Well, they're they're just wrong. You're and I don't, I don't appreciate that. Yeah, well, there are a lot of there are a lot of stupid people in the world. It's okay. Most overrated soda? Mm. Well, I mean, all diet soda is trash. Yeah, it is. And as it turns out, worse for you than regular soda. Exactly. Um, but but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Sprite. I, I see no reason to drink a Sprite. I take one sip and I'm done. It is like water that's bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a sponsor of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and and won't be. Uh, I think my the most overrated soda for me is Mountain Dew. Uh, I don't get Oof. it. I, yeah, I, that's I, a good choice. It just it, it, the flavor does nothing for me. Most overrated wasn't. Oh, the Super Bowl commercial was pretty good, wasn't it? Most overrated? No, best, worst, and underrated. Oh, then that could be worse. Then this is not a complicated question. Um, best, Oof, that's tough. I'm a big see because I unfortunately I'm a diet soda guy because I avoid 
just avoiding the sugar, not because of taste, because you know I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot of so information is coming out right so now. So I'm going I'm to go with the uh, the best of the diet, so to go a different way from Craig here. I think Coke Zero uh, gets the win for the diet sodas. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and my very specific thoughts here. It goes in this order: it goes fountain glass, uh, a pile of garbage, and then can. Mm. Interesting. Okay. In, so terms you, of, in terms of flavor. So you like drinking Coke Zero from a pile of garbage, is, is what I'm hearing. N- no. Okay. Not, not yet. Okay. Um, no, I hear what you're saying, though. In terms of if, 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 if I'm given the chance to drink Dr. Brown's out of a, a bottle, I would prefer that, yes. I think cans ruin most things. Say, for, take beer, for example. Who mm-hmm. drinks beer out of a can? Like an IPA out of a can? And, and the rankings of the... Low life. Low yeah. life drink beer out of a can. <laughs> the, Sorry the, to all the people I've just insulted. But the rankings carry over to, to beers, too. Like, it, that's very much yeah, craft, does. glass, and then just a pile of garbage. Just like so much garbage and then can. What if there's cans in the garbage? Throw them out to a second pile of garbage? It's an improvement because they're empty. Okay, that's fair. Um, okay, now I'm going to answer. And I, this is, again, I'm the guy who said you take Connor McDavid as your forward. I'm going to keep this simple. Coke is the best soda. Worst is anything diet. Most underrated. Since Craig went with Dr. Pepper, I'm going to go with Dr. Pepper. But I, I wondered, much like Jamie, if that was allowed, because it's like Alexander Barkov being most underrated in the athletic poll two years in a so row. The people that are in the know know how good it is. So sometimes, as people in the know, you kind of forget there are others that are not in the know. You know? No, I never forget. No. I never forget how many uninformed people there are that are out there. Uh, on that note, Craig's next mailbag <laughs> is... Hold on. That, that will be a drop. Hey, the mailbag comes out tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for that promo. Somebody please reference that line in the mailbag questioning. Um, let's see. Seth, thoughts on proposed rule changes or clarification? If a goal is waved off for goalie interference, assess a penalty. Uh, goalie interference should only be when contact is in the crease. Um, oof. Do we have any ways that we want to fix goaltender interference? This is a very oh, detailed so question. So many. We need we need attorneys in the room. <laughs> no, you know what we actually need on some of this that would help, and I can't believe I'm saying this in the year 2020, but they need to take a page out of the XFL's playbook, oh boy. which is oh a sentence. Lord. Okay. Uh, and I want to hear these reviews. I want to hear the guy in Toronto that is talking to the referee and assessing the goaltender interference, and here are their specific criteria for why they are making these decisions to overturn or not overturn. I, I like that to an extent, I, because I, I do agree. You know, you guys have all seen these, uh, these email. Re- we get the emails from the league, you know, the, the teams tend to forward them to us, telling us the ruling, and it's, it's very generic, the wording. It really doesn't give you insight into what they're discussing. On the flip side, the league might be thinking, if we really let them into the room and give them insight into everything we discuss, we might open ourselves up for even more criticism. Oh, yeah, no, they're not going to do it, but I, I would like to yeah. see it because there's best case scenario, you get at least a better understanding of their logic. Worst case scenario, you find out that they don't really know either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all for transparency. Um, I almost made a political joke, but I didn't. Um, for some reason, Twitter is suggesting I follow Jamie Eisner. That's not going to happen. Don't you already follow me? Yeah, I don't know what's going on over here. Uh, maybe it's Jamie, maybe I followed Jamie Eisenberg. And Did I you unfollow it. me, Luke? No, I didn't. Uh, this wrong. is from the the show account. Uh, John wrote in. Does I re- the show account not follow me? <laughs> I reserve my right to ask questions until after tonight's game, but they never asked one. Sarah, why is the Toronto media dead set on the Coyotes trading Taylor Hall today? Uh, I think we've already addressed that. Because they're in town. So, yeah, because they remembered that the Coyotes exist. Exactly. Did I tell you guys how many crazy rumors I was chasing down yesterday? How is that? Toronto. Does that happen in other sports? I don't don't feel like, hey, the Cardinals are playing the Giants today, so everybody on the Cardinals is getting traded. 
It's only with Toronto. With every team that comes to town, hey, what can we drum up on them? I'm starting yeah. to think so. Yeah, I do. I do. I, but I think it's more extreme with teams like the Coyotes or the – I mean, the Kings, because just, the Kings always trade well, them their players. Well, especially the out-of-conference teams they don't see very often. So it's like, oh, yeah, we remember that these players exist in the league. I'm starting to feel like the Toronto media perception of the NHL is there's the Eastern Conference, and then the Western Conference is there for them to take players from to make the Leafs better. Uh, this is Tim. Dvorak's potential, in my opinion, is akin to Ryan O'Reilly or Braden Shen for the Blues. A number two center, but functionally a number one. I don't think all teams need a Crosby or McDavid to find success. How do you guys rate Dvorak going forward, and do you think he has that kind of ceiling going forward? I mean, I hope he has Ryan O'Reilly ceiling. That would be yeah, Ryan O'Reilly did not play like a number two center last season. And, no. and really this season, he's, he's a terrific player. I've, I've always loved his game. Didn't o- a, 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 Go ahead. Well, I was going to say he won the Conn Smythe, didn't he? I believe so, didn't mm-hmm. he? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, we, we could all be wrong, and we just throw that out there. That's fine. I don't know. I'll just edit it out yeah. in post-production. It really is. I really yeah. won't. You're not going to. No, no but if, if that's a ceiling, that's great. I do I do like Christian Dvorak's development, just particularly because he's so sound in all areas of the game, and he, he's producing points now. He's he's getting up to that, you know, that, that guy could give you 50-plus points, and if he can do that, as a middle six center, that's that's a really good uh, player to have. And if Barrett Hayton can pan out, and I know that's a big, big question mark, they might be okay at that position down the road. Imagine this. Imagine if Barrett Hayton does – I'm not saying he's going to become one of these elite, you know, 90-point centers, but it, if, he get, if he gives you 60-plus points from the number one center position, Dvorak continues to develop, and you can play a guy like Nick Schmaltz as your third center – you're probably feeling pretty good about your center position at that point. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's best case scenario. I don't think he has to be Ryan O'Reilly, Christian Dvorak, for that to be a win. But as close as he wants to get to him, and Dvorak, he's not going to be Coyotes team MVP this year, but he's been one of their best players this year, just because yeah. he, he touches Again, the game so many different he's ways. He's benefiting from playing with Taylor Hall too, right? Yeah, yeah, production wise, yeah. But he, I mean, yeah. still, he was winning faceoffs before Taylor Hall got here. Yep, and he's sound down low in the uh, defensive zone, which which they need on that line. Uh, Greg, do you think Barrett Hayton should get a shot in the top six immediately, given Schmaltz and Keller's ineffectiveness over the last six weeks? Mm. Mm. So this is interesting because I know you've said, Craig, that you want to see what he can do with Taylor Hall, but you obviously can't mess with the top line right now the way it's yeah, playing. Yeah, I don't think you can mess with that. I think you'd have to wait for some sign of trouble to break that up because that line's just been too good for you. But would you consider moving Schmaltz back to the wing and putting Barrett Hayden between those two guys, between Keller and Schmaltz. I think it's worth a try. You, again, you can always nix that plan right away if it's not working. But. Yeah, I mean, you could try yeah. it for a period even. Because I actually like what their other lines are giving them right now. It's not high-end production, but they're, they're playing pretty well right now. There, there is some chemistry on those other lines. That's the line that needs to get going. They need to get some production from that line. And I tend to like any line that Lawson Krause is on right now just because yeah. he, he his goal or just the way he plays is to make his line mates better. Um, here's the last two. All right, last one. Dan, my eight-year-old son said to me at breakfast on the day of the Montreal game, Dad, I can't tell if the Coyotes are good or bad. I had no idea what to tell him. Can you help? Yeah. They're no. good. I don't know that they're um, great, but they they're- are they're good on paper. Their execution has not been good for a while now. But the whole, I guess the way I look at them is this is still on paper one of the most talented, if not the most talented Coyotes team that they've had here in a while. Yeah. 
Especially yeah. in the Glendale they still, era. They still lack that true number one center. We've talked about this, and that, that has a ripple effect on your entire lineup when, you're, when you don't have that guy. And obviously the goaltending issues, the, the injuries have really hurt them. So if they can get healthy, if Kemper can come back and, you know, if, if Hayden can give them something, I mean, I still think this team is good enough. I still think this team should be in the playoffs if, if those ingredients come, come back into the lineup. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they've played eight games since the break now. And I would say I'm comfortable with the way they've played in about five and a half of them. But yeah, yes, but they still need to be a playoff team. And and I know yeah. they've had goaltending injuries, but I think some of that has to be counterbalanced with the fact that the entire rest of the division is garbage. Right, so, and the other the rest of the division has also had injury issues. Yeah, right? so I think you can't it, just say, well, we have injury issues. Well, so do other teams. I mean, Connor McDavid's out for three weeks. Yeah, Mark now yeah, out. you can you can go through all these teams and say. They've had some issues. They've had some adversity, and it's going to take a, a lot fewer points, as we just talked about a half hour ago, to get in than it yep. that we thought it was at the beginning of the season, which kind of makes up for a little bit. And again, goaltending has been part of the issue, uh, but they've there are a lot of these, we've talked about the pastors that have been on this team. Their issues go beyond just Kemper being out. Yeah, it's it's possible somebody wakes up and runs away with the division, but it's to Jamie's point, it's probably not going to take a ton of points to get into the playoffs because everybody's not going to run away. Like It's not like all of a sudden five teams are going to take off here in the next couple of weeks. I will say this, if the Coyotes get in the playoffs, and I agree that has that's a bar they have to clear this year, they're not going to back in just based on what their schedule is coming up. So they have Ottawa on Thursday, but then Washington, the Islanders, Dallas, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, Florida. Yeah, that's their, six ne- their, their next six post Ottawa are brutal, and then they get to breathe against Buffalo for a second, and then it's Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver again. I mean, it's they're gonna they're gonna have to earn it, but you know what? That should yeah. be the expectation at this point, though. Yeah, they play. It's Vancouver. gonna be inter- if if they're right there on the cusp when when they hit those when we when they hit March and they start playing the Pacific Division games again. It's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be a fun march if they're right there. That That's a good way to put it. They need to survive February, and then they start playing everybody. In, they play Vancouver three times in the last month of the season. So, I mean, yeah. it's going to be in their hands. But they they got the stretch coming up with, what I just said, Washington, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay, among a bunch of other good teams. This is They're in survival mode at this point. So it's a good thing we don't know who the goalie is. All right. <laughs> for Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Dysota's not trash. It is.